But no, it's glorious to be gathering in God's house in the New England states. Amen? Amen. It's glorious. God is good. God is good. All the time, God is good. Uh, most of you, in this little short clip, you saw where we're introduced to the book of Jude. Many of you may or may not know where Jude is even located in the Bible. But I thought it appropriate that I, uh, as I've been doing with the men's Bible study on Wednesday mornings, we've been on a journey through the Word of God in the very small and maybe forgotten books of the Bible. And what's so great about these small books, whether it be one chapter, whether it be two, whether they be three, they're so relevant to us today and to the culture that we live in. So it's going to be exciting. Uh, yes, this morning we're going to be in Jude. Yes, only one chapter. Bravo, bravo, right? Steve's <laughs> message is going to be short <laughs> and spicy. So please stand as we have the reading of God's Word this morning. Jude. We're going to be in verses, uh, the reading will be in verses 17 through 25. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, it is a glorious day that we can open up your book to read your truth, your living word that impact our lives daily. So, Lord, may the Holy Spirit consume us with your truth and invade our lives in a way that will honor and glorify you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Beginning in verse 17. But you, dear friends, remember what was predicted by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They told you in the end time there will be scoffers uh, living uh, according to their own ungodly desires. These people created divisions and are worldly, not having the Spirit. But you, dear friends, as you build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. Have mercy on those who waver. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Have mercy on others, uh, but with fear. Hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, for centuries, countries have built walls, uh, they've launched missiles, and they've waged wars, and expending material and human resources in the fight and struggle to save nations and cities all throughout history. And with total commitment and courageous abandonment, watch this, individuals have fought for their families. Amen? And it's a rule of life that we fight for survival, defending what our strength, uh, what is most precious to us from every real and imaginable attack that comes into our life. Understand this. God's Word and the gift of salvation have infinite values and have been entrusted to Christ's faithful followers. Is that you? Here's a question, question for you this morning. How much do you value God's Word? How much do you value the fellowship of the church? How much do you value the obedience to Jesus Christ? Now, I ask this question only to remind you of who you are in Christ Jesus. 
but to also say this. There are many false teachers waiting to destroy your Christ-centered life. Destroy the credibility of God's Word and destroy the unity of the body, which we know is the church. Now, this book of Judas, short as it is, was written to urge believers to contend for the faith against those from within who were disrupting, disputing, and denying the truth. In fact, understand this. As you read the entire chapter of Jude, Jude's first intention was to encourage believers in their salvation. If you look, open up your Bible, if you can find Jude, right before Revelation. Verse 3, Jude says this, Although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints or to believers. So, Jude was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write against those who was denying the truth and to motivate believers in their faith to stand for truth against error. Another question for you. I'm trying to keep you on your toes, trying to keep your mind connected with the Word of God this morning. Here's a question for you. Is the church today contending for or compromising the faith? Is the church today contending for or compromising the faith? Probably so. The book of Jude is highly applicable and, and relevant to us today. And I urge you, in the short time that we're together, don't think you're going to get all that this word has to offer. So go home today and read the book of Jude. Only 25 verses. So it's not a great challenge, is it? But it's relevant to us today. Within the church, there are those who teach error and often. And outside the church, there are those whose sole purpose is to destroy faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as Christians, we're being bombarded from within the church and from outside the world with dissent and hypocrisy. And you know what? We need to be alert and be aware of what's going on around us in the church as well outside the walls of this church. We're living in a wicked world, if you haven't noticed. The world had come into the church. And Jude realized that the fundamentals of the faith were being denied. And what's so great about this? The Bible is full of warnings. It's not like this should be a surprise to us. And it begins with, watch this, do not love the world. What did you just say? Do not love the world. How do I know this to be true? Turn to 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Hmm. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father, watch this, is not in them. 
For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires, guess what? They will eventually pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. But God's word doesn't stop there. Jesus himself gave many warnings. In Matthew chapter 7, he said, watch out for false prophets. In Matthew 24, beginning in, I believe, in verse 10, many will turn away from the faith in the end times. Same chapter, a dozen or so verses later, he says, false prophets will appear and perform great signs and deceive even the elect, if that were even possible. Peter warns us in 2 Peter chapter 2, false teachers are among you. Paul warns us in Galatians chapter 2, false brothers make us slaves. Paul also says in Galatians chapter 2, false prophets take you captive through deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition. And boy, is human tradition filled in churches. Amen. Amen. And John warns us in 1 John chapter 4, do not believe every spirit but test the spirits because false prophets have gone out into the world. So Jude is urging those in the faith to stand up to those who would try to, I guess you could say, bring down or, 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 or tear down the church believers. And Jude identifies the enemy and their traits. And it's all in this text. Follow me. So according to Jude, what were they doing? And who are they? Look at verse 4. Verse 4. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. So what does all this mean in verse 4? Many false teachers were and are teaching Christians could live a life as they please without a fear of God's punishment. That's exactly what it's saying. That the culture, including the church, guess what? You can live any life you want and you don't have to worry about being punished by God. That's not true. <laughs> then look at verse, verse 8 in Jude. In the very same way, on the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and heap abuse on celestial beings. Verse 8, false teachers, they ridicule and they mock any authority. Doesn't matter who or what it is. And then you go to verse 10 of Jude. Yet these people slander whatever they do not understand and the very things they do understand by instinct, as irrational animals do, will destroy them. Wow, that seems a little confusing, but let me simplify it for you. False teachers claim to possess the secret knowledge of God. And in doing so, all of a sudden, they gain authority in their life. That is running rampant in our world today. And then verses 16 through 19 is very clear, but it's a must read. 
verses 16 through 19. These people are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit in them. Very clear, very clear. And as a reminder, back in verse 3, Jude calls us to contend for the faith, to contend for the faith. And what's so amazing, think about what Jude is saying. Jude calls us to contend for the faith. Do we not all contend for things in this world? Think about that, especially when it comes to personal issues. We want to make a stand, right, when they affect our lives. People are passionate today to contend for so many things. Animal rights, feminist rights, abortion rights, gun rights, and we can go on and on and on. What about you? What do you contend for? Anything in particular? What about the issues of your Christian faith? which are entrusted to you. Do you realize that? What about the, the issues of your Christian faith? So Jude urges Christians to in, intently defend the faith. We are to be devoted to, go about contending, not with anger, but with diligence keeping within the direction of God's word in our life. We are to defend our faith. Contending for the faith is active, not passive. Just as contending for the faith is active, it's not passive. Just because you sit here today, just because you have the promise of God's salvation in your life, we are still to contend for the faith. To contend means to struggle in opposition, to defend earnestly, to protect. How well are you doing? How well is the church doing? This is a vital commitment Jude is urging for. Contend for the faith. Are you contending for or compromising the faith? Because understand this, we're to go head to head with those who are deviating from the truth and beginning to teach error or living a life that is in opposition to God. No way are we just to just sweep everything under the rug and say it's okay. I'll ignore it. When we do that, when we do that, the wool's being pulled over your own eyes. 
The Apostle Paul, he also spoke of contending for the faith, but he did it in battle terms. One of my favorite chapters in the entire uh, book, the Bible, Ephesians chapter 6. Putting on the full armor of God. And, and Paul, even in 1 Timothy chapter 6, listen to these words. Fight the good fight for faith. And Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Now, listen to the words I just quoted you from Scripture. Do these words describe your journey in your faith? Is this you? Fight the good fight of faith. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. It does. Amen. I hope these words describe you because you're entrusted with what's before you. And Jude urges for unity in verses 3 and 4. The Bible again and again speaks of the need of unity, but never at the expense of truth, never. So what are we contending for and why? Yes, the faith, but you do, do you know what that is? Scripture tells us, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, first four verses. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised, and on the third day, and raised on the third day according to scriptures. That's your faith. That's what you're contending for. We have been entrusted with the faith. And it's a gift from God. We have been given a duty to carry out a responsibility to fulfill this faith that has been entrusted to us. That's your responsibility, my responsibility. And Jude emphasizes, as he refers to the apostles' teaching in verse 17, Jude calls us to remember. Remember what? But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. Today more than ever, we're contending for the truth of the Bible and within are found the teachings of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the apostles. That's what we're entrusted with. So Jude emphasizes the important relationship between correct doctrine, which is teaching, and true faith. And we see that in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Jesus Christ. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. 
Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. John Wesley once said, make me a man of one book. Make me a man of one book. So let me ask you a question, ladies and gentlemen. Make me a woman, make me a man of one book. Is that you? The Word of God. Isaac Newton, he once said, the Bible is the rock that all hammers of criticism have failed to chip. So Jude is calling Christians never to compromise the faith. And people, look around you. I have never seen so much compromise in the faith today. It's enormous. And the church closes their mouths and hide themselves within four walls. When the Word of God is manipulated, that's when confusion sets in. Uncertainty begins to creep in into people's lives, and it begins to weaken them in their walk, their journey with with the Lord Jesus Christ and their faith. And the Word of God becomes meaningless when they turn to other writings, other books, and begin to embrace false teachings of so many kind, and they're all over the place. Godless people change the grace of our God into a license of immorality to do what everyone wants without the fear of God's punishment. Minimizing, and here's the, here's the part that it's hard to understand. Professing Christians, minimizing the wickedness of sin. But contending for the faith brings deep respect for God, for his word, and, and a holy life. So how do we become better at contending for the faith? How do we do this? That's what's so great about the Word of God. He tells us how. Jude calls us to construct our faith in verse 20. In verse 20. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit... Although we must contend for the faith, watch this, we must also construct our faith. We're under renovation, and we're being built up as we take this journey in life that we call faith, the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is not like sitting back. <laughs> this is not like sitting back. Okay, I believe God exists. He died on the cross. I'm baptized. I'm sitting in that pew. I don't have to do nothing. I'm done. Did you catch all the Texas slang in that? <laughs> this is not like sitting back and letting God do the work. But we work together with the master builder himself. We are his laborers in the construction of life. The Christian life is an ongoing build. 
ongoing. It's twofold. Contending and constructing. It's what Jude is talking about. Contending and constructing. As we compare, we contend. Always be prepared to give a reason for your faith. Always. And I hope you know it well. And while we're contending for the faith, this will have the effect of being built up. Christ-like construction going on in our life, a makeover. So how do we construct? Verse 17 tells us to recall the apostles' teachings. We have to know them. Fall back on them. It's here where construction begins in the Word of God. We have a responsibility to bring about growth and development in our spiritual lives. It just doesn't, it's not magic dust. This calls, oh, watch this. This calls for obedience. Obedience. The Bible, the Word of God is the basis and the means of being built up. Feeding on the Word, teaching the Word, service to the Word, meditating on the Word, reading the Word, memorizing the Word, studying the Word, and praying in the Spirit. It's where your faith, you personally, are constructed And then Jude calls us to confess our faith, verses 22 and 23. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. What is the greatest, have you ever thought of it, what is the greatest act of compassion and love that we as a church or Christians could show? What was that? Amen. Clearly is to share the gospel. Clearly is to share our faith. Why? Why? To prevent any individual from going to hell by sharing the most important message ever told ever given. So here, in, in, in this short book, we have Jude's final message that challenges all Christians, all professing Christians, all churches, the responsibility of sharing the gospel message. A winning of souls. A winning of souls is to be taken seriously in our life. If a church is not concerned about the souls outside the walls of this church, you might as well just go ahead and close the doors and go home. This is for naught. It's the sacred duty of every born-again believer to reach out and draw others to Christ with compassion and love. How many of you realize that we are all like the early disciples. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We're called to be witnesses. That that didn't stop with the 12. 
They didn't do it by themselves. Witnessing is not telling others what we can do for God. <laughs> Witnessing is not telling others what we can do for God, but telling others what God has done for us. That's the gospel message. Not all the things that we're involved in are not involved in. So how do we wrap this short book up? The greatest act of compassion we can give anyone is to explain the gospel message to a very needy soul. This message, when received, when embraced, what does it do? It brings forgiveness and eternal life to a person's existence, meaning to life. It lifts people out of sin and it puts them on totally a different perspective and plane of life. So, confessing our faith, confessing it to others and often is the responsibility of all professing Christians. If you call yourself a Christian, you are to be sharing the gospel message. Often. And watch this. Jude gives us the three groups of people to speak to. That's grand. First, the doubters in verse 22. There are those who are double-minded. Uh, they're double-minded. Uh, false teaching sounds pretty good. Well, the truth sounds logical if that's the truth. They may be open to both options. Those are the people we're supposed to be speaking to, sharing with. And then you have the serious sinner in verse 23. The serious sinner are those who are living a worldly lifestyle oblivious to the things of God. And we know many of those people in our lives. Many. And then there's a final one. So we have the doubters in verse 22. We have the serious sinner also in verse 23. But also in verse 23, you have the immersed sinner, I guess, if there is such a word. Those that are steeped in sin. They hate God, they ridicule God, and they hate all that is sacred and holy to God. We're going to speak to those as well. So Jude is calling us to all continue. Let's sum all of this up. Jude is calling all of us to continue to contend for the faith, to continue constructing your faith, and to continue confessing your faith. Pretty easy to remember, right? Contend, construct, and confess your faith. Can you repeat that? Contend. Boy, you're so bold about this. In, 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 in the South, boy, we're just bold. We just say, contend, construct, and confess. God's truth must be carried out and defended by those, watch this, who have committed their lives to Jesus Christ. So first of all, you have to then ask yourself, well, am I committed to Jesus Christ? Amen. Yeah, yeah. Because it's an important task. 
an awesome responsibility and a profound, profound privilege to have this commission in our life. Have you ever looked at your faith that way? If you do not leave here today with a clear or better understanding of your faith, read Jude over and over and over and over again until you do. Because you could read 25 verses a lot quicker. You can read the book of Genesis, Revelation. So understand the importance of continuing for your faith, constructing your faith, and confessing your faith. And I pray this will be the case for all of us, all of us, every single day of our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. As a praise team comes, prepares for a song of invitation. Let us pray.
life, the ups and downs. Joy comes from a consistent and focused relationship with Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. I'm about to close out here. I'm going to turn it back over to Kathy. And she's going to... I don't know what she's going to do. <laughs> 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. Aren't you? Do you know anyone who's living this level of life? Joy unspeakable. Full of joy. Do you know anyone? How do we live a focused life in Christ? Verse 14, and then I'm, I think I'm done. Kathy, is that okay? <laughs> John 15, verse 14. Watch this. You are my friends if you do what I command. God expects our obedience. He expects it. He doesn't just want us to obey. He demands that we obey. Wow. What kind of life are you living? It is a, is a life that counts? Is Jesus Christ the focus of your life? That means that everything you do centers around him. Everything. I'll close with this one sentence. Christianity, a Christian, disciple, follower of Jesus, is not a part-time life a sometime life. It is not. It's an all-time life. It's a surrendered life. Giving up of self. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, that is the cry of our hearts this morning. Your people calling. In repentance, forgive us of our self-righteousness, of our pride, of our disobedience, a selfish life that, Lord, we come before you this morning with one desire upon our hearts, and that's living a focused life in you and through you. Lord, I pray, and this is a bold prayer, whatever it takes, Lord, in the life of your people, professing Christians, your church, whatever it takes to bring us to our knees. and live 
a life centered on you. Put it before us, Lord. Put it before us. And in making that statement, I see one person. I see Jesus Christ. And then I see the power of the Holy Spirit working upon those that are within the sound of these words, this prayer, whether it be in this building or online. Specifically, people online. You're welcome in the house of the Lord. Don't make him a life of convenience. God is calling us to be one in Christ Jesus. So, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit moves within those that have been listening, those that have ears to hear. And the Holy Spirit moves them before your throne, on their knees, in repentance. and a desire to abide, to remain in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Please stand, respond to how God has spoken to you this morning, whether you be here physically or you're visiting us online. There are people online that will respond to you in prayer, information giving. Whatever it may, you may need in your life this morning, you can find it in Christ Jesus. Kathy?